Hello everyone, and welcome back to the other castle. Where am I? How did we get back here? What year is it? Oh god, it's 2021. Again? Again. And now we're in season four of the other castle on top what? of that. Can you believe it? That's the same year that Jersey Shore went to Italy. Is it? I, th I think it was four, yeah. You're the one with all the Jersey Shore knowledge. I am. In the world. <laughs> you know, it's good to be the king. I think you remember more of the Jersey Shore than anybody that was actually on the Jersey Shore. Have you seen the Jersey Shore that tracks? They were blackout drunk the whole every time. night. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what are we here talking about today? I have no idea. I don't remember how to do this at all. Oh my gosh. Come on. You better. It's your episode. I will figure it out. Okay. So today we are talking about a game that was acclaimed as one of the scariest games of all time by several publications. Oh my gosh, the scariest. The scariest. Like, so we're here to just ass. make everybody a little frightened. We're trying to be spooky today. We are talking about Red Barrel's very own Outlast. Outlast. So this came out how long ago? So Outlast originally came out on Windows in the fall of 2013, and then it came out on PS4 and Xbox One in 2014. So, you know, just kind of right before that big bubble of indie horror games. Right. And then it did get ported to the Switch on 2018, which kind of boggles me because when we talk about the content of this game, it has no business being on a Nintendo platform. Like, children have those. Yeah, exactly. And it Nintendo's got a really tricky, like, relationship with adult games too you know right yeah but i feel like a lot of what they do they try to consciously say can you play this with the family yeah you know, that's kind of the undertone of a lot of the world of nintendo and then you get shit like this where uh there's like buzz saws on your ween and stuff sometimes i think with the switch what they're finding is you know a lot of people are playing these the way you know kids used to play their game boys which is like under the covers and yeah. there's a lot of you know, spookiness that goes with that. People want to have that very immersive experience. Even as adults, they want to have that same experience they had as kids now with just such heightened graphics and such a heightened experience as well. Well, you'll definitely be under the covers for this because this is literally one of the scariest games of all of time. Of all time. <laughs> Which, so, you know, seems to do really well for us, the scary games. <laughs> I love the lore of horror. There's something about the way horror is written that I gravitate to and i'm in love with and can't get enough of and just fucking dive face first into and this is no exception outlast was developed and published by red barrels which are which is a studio based in montreal okay and the outlast franchise is really the only property that studio has done yeah i haven't heard of them otherwise yeah they were founded by some alumni from ubisoft I don't okay. know if it's Ubi or Ubi. I've heard it both ways from people in the gaming industry. So <laughs> who who knows? This team was built from their alumni who had worked on Splinter Cell, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, and, you know, uh, parts of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Well, everybody works on the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yes, that is all hands on deck. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're at least seasoned. They know how to put together a really compelling story. Okay. Um, you know, and this game overall has been enjoyed. You know, when it initially came out, IGN gave it a 7.8 out of 10. Eurogamer gave it a 7 out of 10. Destructoid gave it a 9 out of 10. So, you know, people were kind of into it. It might have been a little too early in gaming for this title to have come out. You know, it did push a lot of boundaries. Ahead of its time. Yes. And speaking of, so it did make its debut at E3 in 2013. So this is the June 
before about three months before it actually was released on Windows. Okay. Now, June 2013, E3. Am I correct in assuming that was the first time we snuck into E3? You are 100% correct. Please don't get me put on a list somewhere of people who are not allowed to be at things because we're admitting to sneaking into shit. Right, it's not the first time we've ex- admitted to sneaking into E3, but uh, oh, okay. on I this never show, mind. definitely. However, yeah, this is definitely the first time we ever did because uh, that was the year the PlayStation 4 was released or was announced, actually. That's correct. 2013 was an insane year where they had both the PS4 and the Xbox One on the floor for people to really play with for the first time, especially in a large group setting. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was awesome. It was so cool to be there like live and in person because this was when it was still industry only. Yes, it was industry only until 2017, which is, I think, the most recent time that you've snuck in. I was invited that year. Yeah. I won't be in future years. (laughs) Yeah, I did sneak in that year too. And I was just like, eh, I saw all this online two days before I got here because that's kind of what it became. And can we talk about how unruly the public is versus the industry crowd where they're like I do not want the free things I need to be at my meeting and when the public is there it's like you're scrambling for Red Bulls and like fighting people in hats and things it's awful it's an entirely different experience it just became another comic-con honestly we sound so snobby I I was genuinely invited that year though so I was like my first industry role at E3 and it's the one year all the plebes are allowed to be there yeah and I've been officially invited three times so (laughs) it's an honor just to be there regardless of how you get in but Seeing so that 2013 year, that's also when Titanfall was um, announced and showcased. Uh, the Assassin's Creed 4 title was coming out from their, you know, old buddies. Splinter Cell was coming out. Um, okay. Beyond Two Souls, which is that David Cage game with Willem Dafoe and oh, Elliot his, Page. like, first big one? It, it was his follow-up to Heavy Rain. It was Heavy Rain, and then this one came out. That was the fall. Fo- okay, I thought that one came out before. Okay, I got those mixed up in my own head, but all right. Wow, I didn't realize that was the follow-up. Yeah, and uh, it was the one he was they kicked out before rewriting the script for Detroit Become Human and making that amazing. But so they basically took all that supernatural shit that they erased from Heavy Rain and put it into its own game. Probably I can't speak on that, but probably it's, let's be one hundred based on the name Beyond Two Souls. Yeah, there's like some ghosts and shit. I haven't played it, but I, I can only take so much David Cage in a year. Yeah, and I just played Heavy Rain a couple of years ago. So <laughs> I need a break still. We're on a break. The uh, There's two other crazy titles that came out this year. The Last of Us. Like, holy oh, I've shit. i heard of that game. <laughs> I know. And one that you and I actually got to experience in a cool way because we snuck in, Donkey Kong Freeze Country. Do you remember that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, we have this really great picture because they did, like, you know, kind of your your picture moments, your Instagram moments where you can get your picture taken inside one of the uh, Donkey Kong barrels. We'll put that up on our Instagram if you guys check it out. Oh, yeah. What's the handle? Um, it's the Other Castle Podcast. Oh, yes. Follow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Shameless plug. Did that feel good? It didn't for me. So, yeah, that was a crazy year. And despite all of that, Outlast still won most likely to make you faint. Ooh. During the year The Last of Us got fucking all the love in the world. Gosh, this just feels like the kind of uh, promotions that something like the Eli Roth's uh, Hostel series would get, you know, <laughs> where it was just like, oh, people were passing out in the theaters playing this game. Yeah, a little. I, that wasn't technically part of the materials. That's a little uh, gore core for this, but... Um, right. 
it certainly was just like a holy shit can you make people feel this way <laughs> playing video games yeah um, yeah and you know and when we talk about the timing this is 2013 so within the next five years you're gonna see bendy you're gonna see five nights at freddy's you're gonna see little nightmares you're gonna see hello neighbor and all of these little indie stories that could where they're incredible scores simple but effective storytelling puzzling and just really unique ways of making you feel immersed terrified and keep playing it you know i think that there's something about the replayability of games like this that's really cool so this is kind of like one of those forefather games yes oh that's really great we get to find like an origin to this genre yeah i i blame and praise this game for <laughs> the entire all, all the stuff to come yeah yeah the tagline for this game is, hell is an experiment you can't survive. Oh, that's awesome. It's so aggressive. Yeah. I love it. It almost sounds like a 90s slogan. Yeah, like a Nicolas Cage, like, werewolf movie or something. <laughs> I feel you. Um, And currently, if you check this out on Steam, it has a full 10 out of 10 rating. Damn. Today. That's not easy to attain. Eight years after it gets released, that's how. Well, that's the kind of love this game is. That's great to see insane so i do want to note something that i will probably reference towards the end to patch some holes but outlast one came out and then a little while later outlast dlc whistleblower came out which tells the story that runs concurrently with the main game Ooh, that sounds like in uh, little nightmares they did the, kind of the same thing as well ding 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 all right so that's our first <laughs> branch off thing that we're gonna note because this yeah. game truly did create a lot of game elements that you see in that same indie horror kind of mid-teens of the thousands wave of gameplay that are also just all over twitch and everyone's obsessed with so in the way that we talk about bioshock being like this inspiration game for a lot of other things to come this was the inspiration game for a lot of the same genre absolutely yeah and you know kind of what bioshock did to revitalize gameplay and storytelling and particularly with a horror element this absolutely follows suit in being another benchmark game of we're gonna take it and we're gonna elevate the whole fucking game and we're going to scare some goddamn kids. <laughs> and shockingly, you I asked you before, this doesn't really reference Bioshock at all. Bioshockingly, no. No. Oh, nice. Oh, no, that, that was, was terrible. Nope. Do not engage. Oh, no, that was good. You're encouraging bad behavior. So there won't be any Bioshots this episode, everybody. Sorry. There might. We don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> you know how these conversations just evolve <laughs> into us talking about how great Bioshock is. Just kind of. Keeping that in mind, there might be holes and you might say like, well, that doesn't make sense. But there is a concurrent story that corroborates a lot of what's happening um, and is kind of just another person escaping <laughs> with very similar capabilities as the main protagonist of Outlast, just running side by side, which is so sad. You're like, man, in another lifetime, you could have helped each other. Oh, so they're just like so close yet so far away the whole time. Oh, entirely. That's pretty cool. All right, so let's talk about where we are. We are in one of your favorite places, Colorado. Oh, yay, Colorado. <laughs> Beautiful skies and people. There are people there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you are in just outside of Leadville, Colorado. Uh, Leadville is about southwestish of Breckenridge and Denver. If you're familiar, it's about an hour, hour 40, like a two hour drive outside of Denver. It's about an hour south of Breckenridge. I've done that drive. I mean, we've done that drive together. It's a, it's a BFE drive. Like there is nothing in between. So if there's a town in between there, it is up there in the hills. It's, you know, it's very isolated. 
oh, this is a total ha- like hill people ha- uh, town that's just up in the mountains on the 24 uh, in a place called Mount Massive. And it's a real place. Mount Massive is a real place. Awesome. Which it has a really great name. Can we be 100? Oh, yeah, definitely. And you know, Colorado's like haunted, right? It definitely is. I mean, there's definitely a theory that it's on a hellmouth because there's all sorts of weird shit that goes on near the airport. You can't deny the fact that there is a lot of horrific kind of, you know, shootings that go on around there Don't to take it in too far of a direction. But, you know, you hear Colorado's name a lot when that's happened. So it has some tragedies in its past and especially in that area. So it's it's not surprising that it would have like a spooky center to it. Yeah, and there's, like, mothmen that live at the airport. Oh, yeah. If you want to look into some conspiracy weird theories, look <laughs> at the Denver airport theories. They there's just... a haunted horse that, like, protects the airport? That's it's amazing. not a joke. It's a giant blue horse with fire red eyes. It's terrifying. <laughs> Blucifer. Blucifer. His name is Blucifer. His official name is Blucifer. It's, it is official. It's bad. So, Colorado, creepy off the bat. And Colorado also has some notoriety as an alleged place where the government does experiments or the government has testing facilities and shit like that. Oh yeah. No, there's always the conspiracy theory that when like we were getting threatened by North Korea, Obama visited Colorado because that's where the bunker is just in case that, that, you know, they dropped a nuke on the United States kind of thing. So yeah, there's always the rumor that that kind of stuff exists there too. So that this game totally plays into that. (laughs) Okay. Excellent. So Mount massive, is way the fuck out in the boonies on a hellmouth, and it is an asylum for the criminally insane. Ooh. Which is kind of as uh, iffy and scary as you can imagine. Um, or it, as Frank Reynolds from Always Sunny would say, it's the nitwit school. It is the nitwit school for murderers. Right. These are all people that murder people. <laughs> There's one dude that's in there that killed a bunch of women because he got jealous of one girlfriend, lost his mind, and decided to find himself the perfect bride. And when they weren't perfect, he'd murder them. I mean, nobody's perfect. No. <laughs> so they're criminal nitwits. Criminal nitwits. Yeah, they murder people. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> We're looking for the least politically incorrect way to say it Is or most politically. the way you- <laughs> Don't trust Frank Reynolds when you're trying to not offend anyone. That's a fair gauge. So these aren't pleasant people. Okay. And it is a prison, but within the asylum part of it, because they are criminally insane, there's just doctors doing experiments on them like all the time. Oh, so this is where we get to take a bio shot, actually. Oh, damn it. You're right. Yeah. When yeah. they're just kind of left to their own devices, they just start experimenting on the people around them. Yeah, and it's always a doctor doing creepy shit. Yep, all uh, right. All right, there's your bio shot. Would you kindly knock it back? Yep. All right. <laughs> so basically, the whole point of Mount Massive is that they were doing experiments to try and create a certain kind of energy and pull that out of people. And the most effective way they found of pulling this energy out of people is to find people that have deep-seated trauma and trigger their trauma. Oh my So they're God. like, let's prey on people who are criminally insane. They're yeah. probably traumatized. Now, when you say drain their power, what are you defining that? Well, I'll get to it. Okay. I don't want to ruin things, but it's gross <laughs> and violent. All right. But just, I want you to have some context for kind of what kind of fucked up shit's happening here. But you're not saying Denver is being powered by the souls of these people. 
also not going to deny something. Who am I to say what's going on with Denver <laughs> in this fictional game from eight years ago? I don't know what's going on there. That's fine. They're doing experiments on traumatized people. When you traumatize people who already have a history of violent trauma, what happens? They lash out. Horror game monsters. <laughs> These people are called variants, and because they have already experienced enough trauma to force them to murder people or not see the issue with harming others, they're not pleasant. When oh, you traumatize no. them further and actively beat them, uh, touch them, take away their stuff, dehumanize them, it doesn't make them more pleasant. No. It makes them murders. Oh, no. Just, just bad, bad, bad. So it's like when you're, I mean, yeah, when you're out to train a fighting dog, and you want to make them the most effective fighting dog possible. This is exactly what you do. What? Yeah. That's terrible. No, I know. I'm not sure. I'm not suggesting anybody does that. I, it didn't sound like a plug, but goddamn. No, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, shit's crazy at Mount Massive. So these people are called variants because they have been kind of mutilated through trauma and the weird testing done at the asylum. And they are running all over. Mm-hmm. So I want to get that out of the way so you have context for what we're walking into. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to kick into the game. You're a man. You're in Colorado. What are you driving? You're driving a Colorado car. Yeah, you dipshit. Like a Subaru. Yeah, you're driving a fucking Subaru. Yeah. It's orange. There's probably stickers all over your analogy. And, and you've got <laughs> fucking Nature Valley granola bars between every seat of your car. Yeah, and something just stuffed into your sock at all times. Yeah, why not? You are Miles Upshur. You're a young 20-something journalist with a lot to prove. I'm kind of picturing, like, uh, our hero from Firewatch, too, Henry. Oh, Henry. I yeah, because he was also a Colorado boy. He is the Colorado boy. Yeah. Um, and it is a first-person perspective, so there is a lot of walking in there, but Henry gets off a lot easier than Miles does. Well, we also assume that he grew up to be the Henry from Bendy and the Ink Machine, so maybe he doesn't get off that easy. Maybe the genre's folding in on itself. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling every time we talk about these, which is really often because I keep falling in love with them. It is just an endless loop. I played this, by the way. You I want to throw this it. out there. I did play the scariest game of all time. You know what? Oh it's spooky. Gosh, there were so many times where you're like, I had to put it down. I, it was nighttime, and I couldn't play this game any further. You'd get that text at 3 p.m. sometimes, too. Can we be 100? That's this game fair scared well. the shit out of me. Yeah. And you'd be like, are you okay? And I'd say, no, I'm watching DuckTales to calm down. <laughs> and honestly, it's a little dark right now. <laughs> this show needs to be a little more G sometimes because I am scared of this game. So I've played as Miles Upshur. Miles Upshur, honestly, deadass, kind of looks like the dad in Heavy Rain. Oh, okay. I'm just... There's the way he's fitted. It's just a little like he's going to scream Sean at any point. But, kind of a schlubby dude. Yeah. But Miles is a silent protagonist, which can be frustrating because you're like, hey, man, ask for help. You would like to talk, but yeah. you can't. Additionally, somewhat like Heavy Rain, I guess actually less so, Miles is unable to fight. Oh, so this is not an action packed game. It feels fucking action-packed. Yeah. There's a lot of adrenaline when I'm playing this fucking game. But there's no combat. There's no combat at all at any point. Like, Bendy is technically more violent than this. No. No. I'm going to regret saying that. <laughs> but 
with Bendy, you fight, you're more of a violent character in Bendy and the Ink Machine when you're 58-year-old fucking Henry the Artist than you are now yeah. when you're Miles, a young Colorado journalist. Okay. So Miles is a freelance journalist. There's some background comics that talk about him or allude to him. It's kind of alluded that he was kind of a hotshot journalist and got fired because he didn't cite his resources or something like that. There's some kind of bullshit drama. Okay. If you Academia remember the, bullshit. Yeah, if you remember the opening to Venom, same dumb okay. shit. <laughs> so he's a freelance journalist, and he gets an email from an engineer at Mount Massive named Waylon Park. Waylon is like, hey, I'm at Mount Massive. It's being run by the Murkoff Corporation. They're bad people. Super fucked up. Crazy shit's going down. I signed a bunch of NDAs, but I honestly don't even care anymore. You need to fucking look into this. Okay, bye. Okay, like, I hate that we keep referencing it over and over again, but this also now feels like Bendy. Uh, again, Getting lured into the trap. Getting lured into the trap one, but also, like, the there's that part where the employees had, like, reached out to a journalist at some point and tried oh, yeah. to get the word out about what was going on in, inside the uh, Joey Drew Studios. So, sorry. It's... I mean, at the same time, this is actually the inspiration for everything to come yeah. to it. So when we look at the timeline, this one was the first one to stick a yeah, fork in the ground. So it's it's funny to start now seeing like, oh, these are the areas where people were like kind of, you know, giving little nods towards this game. Yeah, and it's you know, it's not it truly isn't that far off from Henry, Henry, I've got something to show you. Right. Which I think is the accent I did. I feel like it was <laughs> offensive. <laughs> I apologize again and then doubled down. My bad. Uh, so Waylon has been, he's like, I've been there for two weeks. These guys are fucked. You have to expose them. And Miles being freelance is like, uh, shit, yeah, that is going to be a lovely paycheck. Exposing a company for something bad. All right. True journalistic integrity. Yeah. I'm going to just roll up and ask no further questions. He doesn't reply to the email. <laughs> he's oh. just like, I'm out. <laughs> I see this email. I'm going in. Well, you know how bad traffic is on I-70. Well, that's how that worked out, too, in uh, the zombie game that we did way back in the day, the fucking Dead Rising. Dead Rising? When we did Dead Rising, oh, that's, that's, how, right. that's how that character uh, drops into the action, was he just kind of got an email saying, shit's going down. You should go check it out. Man, these... These games all love each other. I swear. There's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon-ness to Bioshock and probably this. It's great. Yeah. So you get there and it's nighttime and you pull up, you park, you get out of your car and you're like, all right, let's do this. And you're armed with only a handheld camcorder, which I think is outdated tech by this point. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, that I think of like Blair Witch Project when I think of handheld camcorder. So. Which is very much in this ecosystem. Oh, is it? So within the gameplay, there are a bunch of segments of the game that are pitch black. Okay. And you have to bring your camcorder up to your hands, to your eyes, excuse me, and put on night vision to see what's happening. Oof. And you can zoom out and zoom back in so you can look down a hallway to see if there's anyone there, which is kind of a cool functionality. Oh, that already makes me think of like in uh in, in the original Cloverfield movie when they're in the underground inside the tunnels and they turn on the night vision, you can see the little creatures crawling yeah. around. Yeah. I want to see your like brain tree map of outlast in the middle and all the games and media you're branching off into i know right seriously <laughs> and like but and i hope this doesn't feel derivative because again this is an eight-year-old property you know it's it's not it's not ripping anyone off it helped establish some of these horror tropes no know? exactly it's one of those things where for example you know 
the original Toy Story is on the AFI list of the top 100 best movies, and it's not even the best Toy Story movie. Right. <laughs> it's just that it was the original one, and everything else just looks like it's kind of, you know... Yeah. It looks like a cheap imitation of everything else that comes afterwards. Yeah, but this one was truly groundbreaking, and... To your point earlier, it does kind of fall into the same class of horror as Cloverfield, where it feels very intimate because you're staring at it through a camera and you feel super claustrophobic and you don't know what's happening and you're trapped and you have to escape. Like very similar core concepts. You got your camcorder and you have like a handful of files um, (laughs) that you're going to collect throughout the game and that you use for your own notes. Um, While your character doesn't speak, you do have a note taking section where you can See how your character's reflecting on things. Okay. I see that as another really popular trope just through video games. The journal? Yeah, the journal aspect of games. Just to kind of like spread out the lore, I notice. Yeah, I mean, Red Dead has an incredible journaling lore system of like just creating so much backstory, especially when you get into like the camp members and like talking about how you should have married Abigail and all this shit. Like, oh, it's juicy. That's funny. You went to Red Dead. I actually went to Life is Strange as like an example for me, like with Chloe and Max, like they both had their journals and they talked about a lot more detail in those. Yeah, I feel you. This one is not as pleasant as Max's journal. No. (laughs) It's very bad. Like I said, angry, traumatized, extra traumatized murderers i'm trying to just balance here you there's know there's no balance you just have to <laughs> submit mount massive also yeah they've been trying to cover up what they're doing they've been saying it's dream therapy it's kind of dream therapy but it's also very traumatic for everyone that goes through it mm-hmm. and you know there has been a lot of media about there so miles is like i've kind of know there's something up in the mountains but it might have just been an old wives tale and Waylon Park, the engineer, is like, there's absolutely some terrifying shit going on. Yeah. Um, and to sidetrack for a second, Waylon Park is the protagonist of the DLC. Oh. Um, the DLC is called Whistleblower. So you follow the story of Waylon Park and what happened after he sent that email. Oh, goodness. Okay, that's kind of fun. Yeah. And as you know, the timing is very tight. Waylon and Miles are both in the asylum at the same time, going through a lot of the things at very similar pacing. Oh, okay. So we're going to, I mean, we're only going to focus on Miles. I'll patch in a couple holes here and there towards the end. I don't want to spoil anything or distract, but it's kind of cool that they, you follow two normal-ish dudes that are trapped in the most horrifying place on earth, Colorado. One of those holes that gets filled, the time gap between him receiving that email and him getting there, so that way their stories intertwine. Yes, you okay. do. You do see what happens to Waylon while Miles is driving up because, like oh, okay. I said, let's call. My, let's say Miles is either in Boulder or Denver, so he's ballpark two hours, two and a half hours away from Mount Massive. That's fair. And yeah, if you're going to be a journalist in Colorado, that's probably where you are. A lot of media is based in Denver, um, specifically downtown. I know a lot about Denver. <laughs> yep. I used to, Unfortunately, my stuff used to be there, and I lived there too. So it is Miles, kind of. We both live there. Yeah. So Miles, you know, he can, he's a journalist, so he's really just interested in capturing as much of going on, and he'll take, like, medical records and little fo- file folders he finds throughout because he's a grubby little rat. <laughs> so he gets there, he parks, he turns off his OAR cassette tape, live at Red Rocks. It's not a big deal. It's a decent album. I, I've lived it. <laughs> <laughs> I could not tell you a single song. He gets there, and the whole place is gated up. And the lights are out. So he's like, oh, the lights are out. I can't get in. So he kind of wiggles through a fucking hole in the fence. 
As you do when you approach a nut house. He's a journalist. And he cli- He basically scales the side of the building. He goes up like some rafters and shit. Spider-Man's that shit. Yeah, and that's the, like, he shows us his, he's athletic enough to lift his own body weight and, like, climb, but he can't swing a punch at fucking anyone. So he's, like, Nathan Drake a little bit? <laughs> he's, like, a smooch of parkour Nathan Drake if Nathan was forced to do a pacifist run. I was going to say a pacifist Nathan Drake yeah. if that could possibly exist. <laughs> Awful. Instead of the raging psychopath multi-mass murderer. But that's another episode. Oh, but he felt bad about lying to his wife. We'll get into that one, I think. She deserves better. <laughs> I have so many feelings about just his relationship. You could tell me nothing about the lore of Uncharted, and I just want to talk about how they function as a couple. <laughs> because it's infuriating. Anyway, murder. So, you get into the... What seems to be abandoned asylum through like breaking a window on like the second or third floor and all the lights are out. So you're like, shit, you got to get your camcorder. Your camcorder is a limited resource, too, which makes it more difficult. You have to have batteries in it. And when the batteries run out, the night vision only works a couple inches in front of your face. So you're kind of fucked if it's completely dark and there are things you can knock over or glass you can walk over that makes noise or... You could walk into someone who will murder you. Oh, that makes it so dramatic as fuck. I love this. It's super tense. It's it's so fucking immersive. I played it on a Switch, which is a, a screen about the size of my phone, and was shitting myself because of how intensely I was staring at the screen and how high I had the music because you need the music to know when you're being chased. And ugh. So is this one ugh. of those kinds of games, like, for example, like a Super Meat Boy or even a little nightmares where you're going to die like a whole bunch of different times trying to complete a level. Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah. There are people who can who run where no kill runs. Like obviously that exists in the same way of little nightmares of if you follow those patterns and you know exactly where things are programmed to hop out, you can avoid them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I died a shit ton. Okay. There's no per- there's no permadeath that is automatic. I think you can mod it to permadeath, but Okay, so death is built into the mechanic of the game that you're going to die a lot of times trying to complete this. Yeah, absolutely. So you crawl in and you get into a library and you make a turn and you see a full army man in full SWAT gear completely impaled on a rod just sticking out from the ground. And you're like, that's a dead body. I am a 28-year-old journalist from Denver. I do not want to be here. Yeah, this is a little too intense for what he was looking for. I wanted to write about the Larimer Food Hall and all the vendors in there and who had the best baguette, but no. He thought there would be like some corruption at the mental hospital that he was going to have to inspect, you know, like a a crooked drug deal going on. Yeah, or like they didn't have like a a gender neutral bathroom or something. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it'd be something a little fluffier than this murder. So this man is completely impaled, and he looks up, and he's like, the variants got loose. Those guys that have been traumatized murderers that got extra traumatized. The Reavers are out. Yeah. He's like, you can unlock the doors from the security, but you have to get the fuck out. And then he just dies. Oh, my God. And you're like, cool, 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 cool. This bad. I hope you can trust this guy. Totally. So... You know, these guys, the variants, they're walking around. Most of them are shirtless and super skinny and emaciated, and they 
will chase you. They will like strangle you or cut you up if they have machetes. Like they're violent. Oh, where are they getting machetes from? The fucking asylum just has machetes and shit. Oh, as they do. Okay. I get it. (laughs) You got to keep those inmates in line. Yeah. They're just violent and not mentally stable before the trauma. And And then then we gave them machetes. Yeah. So you're like, this is insane. And you get jumped by a variant that's like seven feet fucking tall. Oh, my God. His name is Chris Walker, and he looks like if Drax was a white dude. I love that this seven foot giant is just Chris Walker. Yeah. Like, (laughs) he looks like real life Roadhog. He's (laughs) kind Chris. So he knocks you out and, like, throws you across the room. And you wake up with Father Martin Archambald. Ooh, we have a priest involved. Yeah. That's never a good thing. In an insane asylum? No. And you know what? He wasn't the priest for the asylum. He oh. Was, he was an inmate. Good. Probably good. No. No, I mean just that he's in jail. Oh, I was like, no, that he's, he's not. That he's thrown away. That he's put behind bars. It's probably a good thing that he's there. <laughs> this is a bad situation. I imagine so. Let's get into it. So he's like, hi, Miles. I believe you're an apostle. Miles says nothing because it's he's just terrified. And he says, you have a calling. And then he just disappears. The priest disappears? Yeah, he like leaves your vision line and then he's just gone. And you're like, cool, that's a sign of things to come. So these people just come into your line of vision and they just walk out? Yeah. Okay. Which is just, it is scary. Like, yeah, definitely. It, it is so creepy. That's like in Far Cry 5 whenever he gets captured by the uh, seeds. Yeah. They kind of come in, say something sassy, and then you're alone in a field and you're like, what the fuck, man? Okay. You're like, all right, I guess we're going to explore now. So as you're kind of poking around, you see that the variants have mutilated and killed a ton of the staff. There's shit broken, there's blood everywhere, there's bodies everywhere, there's loose body parts everywhere. It's just, it's fucking terrifying. And, you know, some of them are just catatonic and staring out into space. Oh, There's one room where there's just three dudes watching a broken TV. Oh, these poor guys are probably lobotomized. Yeah. And, you know, there's some people that are just laying in wheelchairs, screaming at each other. It's... It's very unpredictable. So when you see someone, you don't know if they're going to murder you or ignore you or what. Gotcha. So you're walking around and you loot, you're looting a security badge off of a dead body. And you're like, this is disgusting. Cool. There's blood writing on the walls. And, you know, as you're kind of reading it, you're like, this is a little dramatic. Oh, no, it's the priest. The priest is leaving you blood messages on the walls. Blood messages. What are they saying? Um, there's one that says witness on it. There's a couple things just kind of allude to you being the witness and the apostle. Oh. Um, there's some follow the light, just kind of generic Jesus shit. What's his mission? Like, honestly. It's bad. But I just mean the priest. Like, what is he trying to do? He needs someone to witness an event he is concocting. Got it. Okay. You don't get it. It's bad. <laughs> so... You're going through and you're also just kind of finding medical files and like memos and shit. And you see notes on something called Project Wallrider. Oh, Project Wallrider like Lucio? No, I wish it was Lucio because he's a nice Brazilian DJ who just wants social justice. So he's not going to pump up the volume? No. Oh, what's he going to do? He's going to get tinnitus. (laughs) Sorry. 
you're seeing some allusions to Project Wallrider and that it is very profitable, but it is very dangerous. As most profitable things are. Dun, dun, dun. You have to get to the security room so you can unlock all the doors and get the fuck out because you're like, I got what I needed. I'm done. We're cool. I'm going to go back to writing for Westward and (laughs) I'm going to apologize to my dad. There's plenty of material here to fill a several page novel, let alone just an article. Yeah. So you get to the security room and you're like, cool, I'm going to unlock the doors. But as you do, you're looking at the security monitors and you see the priest on the security cams look you in the face via the camera and kill the power to the building. Oh my gosh. What the fuck, man? This guy is just vicious. So he's like clearly got tabs on you, which one, terrifying. And then two is like, fuck what you're doing. You're going to do this for me. Now, let me question this logic here because he wants him to be the witness and yet he just turned off all the fucking lights. Well, he needs you to be on site. He knows you're trying to leave. No, I know. I'm just teasing. So you're like, great. The power's in the basement. Guess I'm going to the basement. <laughs> That's where everybody wants to go in the hospital. In the murder asylum. Right. So, you know, you're running and you're hiding. And through this sequence, they actually introduced something that I was excited to tell you about. Because it might be traumatic, but that's kind of the name of the game with Outlast. You're running from variants. You're running from Chris Walker, who kind of shows up occasionally just to fuck your shit up. And a way to get away from your enemies is to hide in a locker and look through the air vents of the locker to know when it's safe or not. Okay, that sounds, you know, remarkably familiar to so many different games, particularly, again, Bendy the Ink Machine Bendy comes to mind Machine. immediately. But I also think of like that Friday the 13th game that came out. That was a big element. You could hide inside those. Yeah. You know, all sorts of games have like implemented this hide feature, which I think is, I guess, is coming from here. Well, I'm I'm sure there are other games that might have come earlier from it, but this one was so big and so impactful. It is, I feel it is absolutely one of the catalysts for that as a game element. Wow, that's cool. There also are elements where you can hide under the bed, which I think you can do in Friday the 13th Yeah, you can well. do that in that one too, yeah. Yeah, so that I thought that was kind of a fun element. Um, and while you're under there, you can use your camera's night vision to see in the dark to make sure that whoever's chasing you goes away. Are there some really good jump scares where you turn on the night vision and there was something there that wasn't there before? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Or they're like a foot away and they just turned and you're like, Oh, I'm shitting. Oh, one of those kinds of things. Oh, that's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. There's a segment in this section, I believe, where part of the basement is just flooded. And if you walk too fast, you make a splash noise and they come barreling for you. Oh, no. And it's a pitch black water pool. It's fucking terrifying. So, you know, you get you go through the basement and that, you know, it's nothing special. It's a matter of hitting buttons. And then hiding because, you know, if you hit the button and turn on the generator, they're going to chase after you. So it's a little bit like the clickers in The Last of Us. Just you make a sound and you completely screwed it all up. Yeah, they're not as sensitive as clickers. You can kind of walk at a leisurely pace. Sometimes you can duck and kind of do a slow crawl and be a little more. The clickers definitely notice more if you kind of move or shuffle around. But The Last of Us is a more sensitive gameplay area. You know? Yeah, it's a much more modern game. Too. Yeah, it's a very delicate balance with The Last of Us that's an incredibly immersive and terrifying yeah. and wonderful. I love it. You get back after turning on that fucking terrible ass generator. How many times in your life have you seen a fucking generator? Like, I really can only think of 
The Last of Us. Oh, fiction? Yeah. Are you referencing fiction when I asked you the last time you seen a generator in real life? Because this is the only time you see them. I mean, I guess technically, yeah. I'm so... Because ones that, like, will power an entire... I imagine they did their research and made them look real. Yeah, like I mentioned, Naughty Dog absolutely did their due diligence in creating a wonderful game. But I've seen, like, a small generator before, like, the size of my PC, but... If video games wildly overestimated, like, quicksand and generator use, that shit does not exist in real life, and it's kind of bullshit. I think a lot of fiction has overestimated quicksand, to be fair. (laughs) I don't think it's real, if I'm going to be 100% honest, (laughs) but that makes me sound a little bit like a flat earther. Right. Of which, the highest number of flat earthers per capita in the United States are in Denver. Take that for what you'll take. Those are the people that work at Mount Massive Asylum. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so you turn on the whole generator for some fucking reason, because generators exist. Every time. I guess The Last of Us also featured generators in the Colorado area, because you do have to turn on the generators to open up the gates at uh, the Eastern Colorado campus when uh, Joel gets hurt. Oh, my God. Life is The Last of Us, and I need to stop replaying it, (laughs) because I can just reference shit like that now. Right. You get back upstairs after truly the worst hour of your life and you're unlocking the doors and the priest jumps you, drugs you, says you can't leave yet and you have so much to see about the wall rider and its gospel. And then... The wall rider has a gospel? Yes. Oh. So this is happening in the security room right as you're trying to turn on the fucking doors. Again, not Lucio. No. Okay. He shows you security footage of people getting picked up and thrown around by a force. Like a, a force? Like a ghost is picking them up and tossing them like ragdolls. And then the drugs that the priest injected into you kick in and you black out. So he injects you with drugs and you're down. Yep. Oh. After showing you a ghost murdering people on security cameras. So this prison priest who, again, is in prison, not working for the prison. Correct. Has knockout drugs in a needle, ready to go. There is a hospital because it's in a, a mental health facility, technically. They do have access to a full hospital suite. And he's gone after the one conscious, normal person in the entire building. Yes. So- I think he's like, you're the only person here wearing socks, so I trust you. Sounds like a priest. What the fuck? So you wake up. In probably the most stereotypical set in the entire game, a padded room with a cot in it. Oh, that sounds like just a perfect loony bin kind of room. You know how the priest has been leaving you little notes? Right. All over the walls of this are little crosses, and it says, rest in peace. And I think you remember what his paint of choice was. I was just going to ask, is it all in blood? Every drop is blood. Ew, whose blood? Just miscellaneous blood. Oh. So you leave your room, and now you're in an area that truly does look like a prison, where there's two stories, and there's uh, barred walls and like secured rooms and stuff. It feel and the middle part kind of has that pit where people can kind of congregate or move groups around. Okay, yeah, you see it in a lot of movies. Yeah, like in the Deadpool facility where all that shit happens. Like, yeah, very much looks like all of those. And we're walking around, and you run into. A pair of naked twin men. Oh, are you talking full nudity? Full nudity, you see the wang. Oh my gosh. And they are hung like horses. Wait, are there any women in this game at all? 
Uh, no, you were in the men's facility. That's a great question. Okay, so are we seeing like a Game of Thrones season one amount of dick? You know, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. There's some. There's some cocks up in here. So some digital ding dong. A lot of digital ding dong. So these guys are like the Menendez brothers. If they were like gigantic and a little more Neanderthal-y, um, they're hanging schlong. The naked twins are evil. Yeah, they're prisoners, Tom. Okay. In the murder crazy house. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just talking to each other while staring at Miles and going, I would like to kill him. And then the other one's like, as would I. Like, they're weirdly robotic about stuff. So they kind of think out loud to each other. Yeah, and it's a little formal. Okay. Um, like, one twin goes, I want his tongue and liver. And the other one goes, they are yours. Oh, well, at least they uh, call dibs on things and they honor dibs. Yeah, you're in earshot. This is horrifying. <laughs> so you talk to some patients and like, you know, again, some patients aren't violent. Some are just like, do you guys remember like fruit? <laughs> I want an apple. You know, like you can tell some are just broken inside. So some are probably there under false pretenses, too, or just falsely accused. Absolutely. And I want you to keep that in mind. Ooh, foreshadowing. So I you find a know. hole and you escape and, you know. You're walking around, and this is the point in the game where I made a note, and I checked my journal, and it said, fuck this place. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole thing. So you're getting out, and, you know, the game's pretty linear. You can't, there's only really, like, one escape or a dead end and stuff. It's not, like, a big open world area. No branching narratives. Yeah. Okay. you, You come up on a wall, and it said, God finds a way. Follow the blood. Follow the blood. Yeah. So now your directive is just to follow the blood. My question is, how can you tell which direction the blood is going? Well, the message will also have arrows or okay. like you can see footprints coming up and you already came from behind you. You know, again, very linear game. Got you. So what do you do? You follow, follow the, the blood. blood. The next wall has a blood saying, saying down the drain. What does that mean? To the sewers. To the sewers. Follow the bloody brick road. Bitch, Down into the sewers we go. Bitch, you just got out of the fucking basement. <laughs> you are disgusting. So you're going down to the sewers and big ass Chris is there. He's fucking running up and down. He's chasing you. Seven foot Chris. Yeah, seven foot big fucking ass Chris. But this is kind of great. There's a point in the sequence where Chris rips someone's head clean off with his Ooh. bare hands goodness so he's that strong yeah he's fucking crazy murdery Ooh, that's bad to have yeah so he's like a boo radley but like mad evil okay evil boo like just crazy strong crazy doesn't even know his own strength absolutely like lenny and the bunnies but angry and very specific got you i'm going to take a pause here too to talk about something you find in a file which is going to kind of come up and be relevant okay so this whole operation is basically the brainchild of dr rudolf wernicke who is a literal nazi scientist nazis from the nazi time not the modern nazi time the old the first one oh the 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 og nazis wow yeah so he joined the murkoff corporation as a part of operation paperclip where the U.S. did move some specific Nazi intelligence leaders into the states to help them further their research because they were making breakthroughs in areas like medicine and chemistry. Mm-hmm. Going to keep my morals out of it. <laughs> but in general, I'm going to go out on a limb and hear it and say, I don't care for the Nazis. They're bad. Not to make it political or anything. Yeah. <laughs> so 
He's literally a Nazi scientist, and he starts getting into crazy weird shit. Okay. And you find his obituary. So he is dead, but it seems to be that he was the big brainchild behind Murkoff Corporation and probably the wall rider and probably this weird dream therapy you keep finding notes about. Okay, so this is like one of those Nazi scientists that did all the extreme human kind of stuff and they looked into yeah. like aliens, ghosts, like twins they tried and shit. to look into okay, the just the really experimental shit that it's just so unethical that it's it's beyond comprehension doing. Like straight up red skull. So they they pretended that he died just so that way he could continue his research after the war. A little bit, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you're kind of going through and something interesting too is you're kind of observing variants and they seem to both fear and covet the wall rider whatever that is so there's a bit of worshiping yeah going on that doesn't sound like bendy at all (laughs) and you know you also can catch some glimpses of the wall rider here and there in certain areas of the game and visually it kind of just looks like a floaty black ghost okay so it's just more of an essence than anything. Yeah. Okay. And you kind of start to feel like the priest thinks that the wall rider is God. I mean, logically, in their world, that would make sense to them. So you run into uh, a variant who just goes off about how Wernicke started the experience after he died. The question then becomes, what does the dead need to do with the living? Okay. What, what experiments does a dead doctor do on the people in life? Wernicke did die. And then just came back to work because of experiments and creepy shit he's doing. So he gave himself eternal afterlife? Undead? He up to some shit. Is he a zombie? No, he's not really a zombie. Okay. He did do some experimental shit to adjust his life. Sitch. Wow. Okay. It's, it's fucking crazy. So there's a lot of sewer exploring and you get chased and you're just running around. And this chase actually kind of turns into a crazy thing where you're running through doors, you're pulling bookshelves down from the walls to block doors, you're trying to hide in things, and okay. you're just getting fucking demolished, getting chased by these dudes. You run around enough and you find a dumbwaiter and you hear a voice coming down from the intercom on the dumbwaiter saying, get in here, get in here, I'll help you out. Oh, that's always safe. It's the only thing you've gotten and the kindest thing that's happened to you in the last eight hours. That's fair. So you're straight up just running at full speed. You dive into this dumbwaiter and the door like locks closed. You see these guys like trying to rip through and eat your ass. I'm thinking of like Jurassic Park when the raptors come after Lex. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Barely in there. And you go up and you are greeted by a man with no skin. No skin? No. He says, you made the right choice, buddy. Oh, no. You don't want to be called buddy by somebody with no skin. No, he's too charming. So he says, oh, you must be the priest's guy. So, like, rumors are getting around about you. Oh, so you've heard of me? Your reputation precedes you, Miles. I didn't expect that, but thank you. And he's like, you need a break. And he just puts you in a wheelchair and starts rolling you around. Oh, goodness. And he's fucking terrifying. This dude's got big glasses, looks like he had a ponytail. He's kind of ripped, and he has no skin. And he's in, like, a butcher apron. Oof. That's... He's about to take your skin? Is that, like, the idea here? <laughs> it's definitely not off the table. He, like, wheels you around, and he's like, ah, you gotta love that fresh mountain air. Which is 
in their defense, the most pandering they do to Colorado. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Colorado does have some fresh mountain air. There is something pretty magical about the way Colorado feels on your skin. Yeah, and then there's the people. Yeah. So he puts you in an elevator, and you come up to a different floor that looks more like the hospital ward. Okay. Uh, there's some, like, surgical stuff, and there's, like, a dorm area with just kind of those hospital beds like you see in an ER where they're just kind of separated by a sheet. Got it. Um, and you see someone strapped to a bed, writhing around, and, <laughs> oh, I don't like this man. He's like... Is he a naked man? He is a naked man. I had a feeling that if he's writhing around and you don't like it, he's probably a naked man. Yeah. And <laughs> the guy that's rolling you around looks over and says, that guy wasn't even putting his tongue to use. I cut it out because I didn't want to lick my own stamps. Oh, my God. So that's just the level of fucked he's up on. Oof. I mean, that's pretty baller to have, like, your own personal tongue that's not attached to a person (laughs) just to do your stamps. Yeah, but it's he's not really... How do you keep that moist? He's not mailing things, Tom. Oh, okay. The mail people don't come here anymore (laughs) (laughs) because of the murders. Oh, I got it. Got it. Sorry. So he seems to be a doctor, or at least thinks he is. <laughs> and he's like, all right, you're here for a consultation. And you're strapped in this wheelchair. Like, there are leather straps around your wrist, so you can't leave. Oh, goodness. So he kind of puts you in this bathroom area with some urinals, and he grabs bone shears. Do you know what bone shears are? I mean, I'm picturing, like, two machetes basically turned into and scissors. Is, yeah, the, yeah, that's exactly right. He grabs these bone shears. And cuts off your left ring finger. And your, your left ring finger. Your marriage hand one. And your right index finger. And he says, don't pass out on me. Two just random fingers. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh, oh, not two fingers next to each other. No. Just two miscellaneous fingers. And you're just hyperventilating while this is happening. I imagine you're going into shock. Yeah, and he's like, all right, I need to go grab some more tools. You're like, this is bad. And you kind of shake back and forth and you get out of the chair. You throw up because like, holy shit. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And you're like, I have to get away from this man. I got trapped running for Richard Traeger for two days. Richard Traeger. His name is Dr. Richard Traeger. I just, I feel like that's a Parks and Recreation reference. Like, (laughs) it's gotta be. Yeah, that's when the series was ending. So they made that. They were probably binge watching the shit out of Parks and Recreation while making it. They threw in Richard Traeger. Dr. Richard Nygar and Chris Traeger, his favorite patient. Yep. So you come out of your little urinal surgical ward, and you see a guy who's also skinless, strapped to a bed, and he's like, that guy's not a doctor. He was an executive here like I was. Oh, I mean, I'm a little bit happy to see that the uh, the upper echelon are suffering along with the patients, to be real. Like, eat the rich, it does feel good. A little bit, yeah. I'm thinking of the Belko experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how... I, I really enjoy that movie. That was a bit fun, yeah. It, it's, it's violent as shit. Like, that is a violent-ass movie. It is a great example of a well-done Battle Royale movie, though. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's up there with Battle Royale. Yeah, easily. The skinless... Other executive is like, yo, he is not a real doctor. (laughs) That motherfucker is a business administration fucking major. Right. He and I were in a frat together base. Like, he is like, that guy is just a fucking, like, corporate tool. And you're like, oh, no, that's bad. Yeah. So you're hiding, and Traeger comes back and just kills the other guy. Oof. 
So you're you dip and you're escaping and you're hiding. And if you're me, you take two days because it's too scary. <laughs> and Traeger's kind of a dick. He keeps calling you a quitter. Oh, because he wants to keep cutting you up and you quit on him. And, and you did quit on him for like two days before you could beat it. So, well, he was frustrating me. He's calling you out on your bullshit. He was. It, it, it read my file of like how many hours I tried and then rage quit and then turned on Pokemon just to like reset my brain with something kind. So while you're running through and he's calling you a quitter, you also find other people that he was co-workers with strapped to tables and mutilated everywhere. So he fully just like lost his mind on his department. Damn. Yeah, which is crazy. And he's chasing you and you finally make it through an elevator and you're in this elevator and you're like, holy shit, I'm free. And he busts through the elevator doors while you're going down. Like Terminator 2 style? He's like, I'm going to fucking get you. Oh, that's great. And he's got his bone shears and they're coming towards you. And it's an elevator. You can't get that far away. So you're just dodging out of the way of them and everything? You're pressed up against the back of the elevator. And then the pressure of the fucking floor and the elevator going down cut him into half. Oh, and just fact, smushed him in the middle. That his weapon was shears, and then he gets sheared at the yeah. end. That's fantastic. It is a great set piece. I'm not gonna lie. I felt very justified in be- spending so much time getting him because it does feel good when he dies. That is a good irony death. I like it a lot. Oh, and the DLC honestly does have an even better one in the Eddie Gluskin character, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, Tom, I will explain it to you off air because it is it is very vulgar. Okay. But <laughs> if you know, you know that one's wild. He gets caught between these floors and he dies. You're getting out through there. You're like, this is a fucking nightmare. And you run into Father Martin. Father Martin again. And he's like, go meet me outside in the chapel. And you're like, my guy, I'm missing two fingers. <laughs> right. I don't care about this mission anymore. I'm not going to be your damn witness. I am not emotionally stable right now. <laughs> but he's also kind of alludes to being like, I'll fucking let you out as soon as this is over. And you don't have a choice. Uh, he's just dangling you on a string, isn't he? Like the last guy here who called you buddy yeah. was Dr. Richard Traeger, who you killed in an elevator. Never trust a stranger that calls you buddy. Never trust a dick. Uh, this is kind of interesting. You find one file, uh, one record file that states that an employee is now terminated and will be receiving treatment as a patient. It says oh, the treatment. No. Oh, yeah. And then it says in the file, treatment should last until death. Oh, my God. Yeah. So life imprisonment, basically, and torture the fuck out of them until they die. You go from employee to inmate like that. Oh, this place man. is so fucked. So you climb into a gymnasium with lunch tables that are all fully on fire because, of course, this is on fire now. And you run into one guy who's just actually kind of a normal dude. He seems like one of the guys that was just catatonic. And he's like, I had to burn it down. Murtoff took too much from them. So just let it burn. Burn it down. Burn it down. In your notes here. You say, he's a man waiting to burn to death. Ooh. Which, like, holy shit, can you believe that? Like, knowing that going in, like, that this person wants to just die by fire. Yeah. Ugh. Right? I couldn't imagine doing that. That's the worst. So bad. You're like, okay, and he's like, 
you know, you can't actually get out of the building through the kitchen. You're like, actually, that was very helpful. Good luck on your death. It probably was the way out. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, he'll figure it out if I turn on the sprinklers just to get out of the fucking here and get out to the kitchen. So you go into a couple of rooms. Um, you go into a shower room where there's a whole fucking Saw movie happening. There's people just like cut up. Ooh, really? Yeah. There's a dude just like washing corpses and like looking for keys in the corpses. It's fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> you get to the kitchen. There's just like half a body there. You don't see the other half, which is a startling sentiment. Oh, my God. Yeah, This game is dark as fuck. It sounds it. Yeah. And there's jump scares all the time. Just constantly at you. Yeah. And you're dying over and over again. And you can't fight back. And it's all dark. Oh. The atmosphere is insane. Anyway, you get through the kitchen and you do get outside and you remember that the entire fucking perimeter has like crazy prison walls. Right. It's a jail. Yeah. You still can't get out. So you're like, let's get to the fucking chapel for the father, I guess. You're getting out. And of course, it's dark and it's raining and shit. Like, fuck you. <laughs> and it, you feel like the wall riders out there, too. You're kind of catching glimpses of a passing dark cloud. And he's amping it up. He's amping on the it perimeter. up. Perimeter. Yeah, so through notes and through kind of talking to people, the wall rider seems to be a product of Dr. Warnicke's stream and sleep therapy experiments. Okay. And has something to do with the mountains themselves, which, you know, there are cultures that believe certain mountain areas are sacred because they're closer to the sky and the other realms and the other worlds and shit like that. You know, there's mm -hmm. different ways that the mountains connect with the earth, so there's something there. Also, it's a hell mouth. Some Gaia shit. Yeah, they allude to the mountains themselves having some sort of secret. Whatever. It's Dr. a hell mouth, like you said. Yeah. You know, that's fucking terrifying. So you hug the wall, basically, <laughs> because you can't see anything. You become the wall rider. Yes, you become the wall rider. And you get down into this courtyard where there's a fountain with so many bodies. In his notes, Miles says that he can smell blood in the air because it's so thick. Blood in the air. You're supposed to smell decay in the air, not the blood. Oh, my God. Isn't that terrifying? So you get into the other building, which is the female ward, although there doesn't seem to be any women there. Okay. So, like, maybe that one was evacuated. I, I hate to say it. They probably are the first to go. Like, a yeah. bunch of men go rabid and crazy. Where do they go? Yeah, that's fair. I get you. You get to the female ward, and Father Martin is like, Oh, shit, you saw the wall rider. That's fucking sick. He doesn't say it like that. <laughs> it's like he just saw like a cool skateboarder. Yeah, like he, he's fucking Spicoli. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, no, he looks like Nosferatu. Mm. Right? Well, when I saw a picture of him, I thought he looked like Darth Vader with his helmet off and oh, not Hayden Christensen. <laughs> just pale and lumpy and weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so it's that guy being like, I'm so happy you saw my God. And he's <laughs> like, you have to come find me now. And he just fucks off. So now you have to go find the priest again? Yeah. Why do you even want to at this point? And like, there's some other things. Like, there's an element where you drop your camera down a floor and you have to go get it. Oh, and I'm like, okay. honestly, just fucking kill me. <laughs> just leave the camera. Yeah. It's not worth it. And like, it's kind of cool, though, because when you do get it back, the screen is cracked. So it's a good indicator of where you are in the first or second half of the game. Okay. Especially if you're like watching somebody play, you know where they are too. Totally. Yeah. As you approach father, a guy tells you, 
there's only one way out. And is like, how do I know you're not a patient? And you're like, well. Uh, look at me. I'm, I'm wearing normal. shoes. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. I'm new. <laughs> and he's like, all right, to get to father, you have to go on a fetch quest for a key, which is super spooky. And to get the key, you need to go to the theater and get to movie night where a key is hidden. We're doing movie night at the uh, Looney Bin here? Yeah. It's okay. Like in a, I think they should do it in one flow over at Cuckoo's Nest. And yeah. Sh- yeah. Not Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that fucking bird movie. You love that movie. I do not enjoy that movie. I don't understand what magic people see in it. I don't care about it. It's not fun. It's not engaging. I don't connect with a single character. Honestly, I think it's a little sloppily written. It's not directed in any way that's special. The performances are eh, just it does nothing for me. The score is what non-existent. It's awful. You're describing 101 Dalmatians, the live action remake, right? No, I'm describing the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I don't get it. That dumb movie about the bird and the guy with the fun poster. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> a different word. <laughs> I apologize for my bad opinions about things. <laughs> I like video games a little more. That's a bit more my speed rather That's than fair. acclaimed movies. <laughs> Speaking of movies, so the movie you have to watch is an exit interview with Wernicke about his experiments and Rorkshire images. Now, Rorkshire images are kind of ink blots. Yeah. And they're used in psychology tests and saying, look at this and tell me what you see. And you're like, it's a flower. And you're like, oh, you're a lesbian. And you're like, oh, it's a vase. And they're like, yeah, you're a narcissist. It's a man le- yelling at a woman. Oh, your parents hated each other. Yeah, shit like that. Yeah. So he talks about how proximity to death and madness can unlock something in the morphogenic engine, which is the wall rider. The wall rider is powered, I'm using that term lightly, but powered by violent insanity. Violent in- So is this Monsters, Inc.? This is a direct quote. Only a test subject who had witnessed enough horror was capable of activating the morphogenic engine. So it's like Monsters, Inc., but attacking the adults who have like suffered true trauma. Yeah, and sucking their trauma and violence out of them. In a way that powers the wall rider, which is a murder ghost. Why do we need the wall rider? This was invented by Nazis. Fair enough. Okay. Bring that so they're back like, up. we created the wall rider and now we have to keep it powered. It's very profitable. You know, I mean, when you give birth, you want to protect your baby. I guess. Yeah. Even if your baby is a murder ghost. And even if you're a Nazi. I no bad Nazis. So you follow blood and candles to the chapel, right? Blood and candles. <laughs> and it really is like a clump of white wax candles and like blood arrows or like praise be fucking praise the wall rider dumb shit like that leading up to the chapel. And it's super fucking creepy. It feels like you want to bring back Far Cry 5 when you're walking up to the chapels of Joseph Seed and you're like, this is a bad experience. Yeah. We should not be doing this. <laughs> Same deal. I'm getting a really bad vibe off this, guys. Yeah. He does not pass the vibe check. So the father is crucified on a cross and says, you will witness and record my death. Oh, this is what his witness moment is. Yeah. He's like, you have a camera. Please come take a selfie of me dying. I take and, a selfie. I like that. And you're like, am I your Instagram boyfriend? What's happening? I'm not Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and he's like, by the way, I fixed the elevator so you can dip. And you're like, oh. Oh, he actually gave me a way out. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, word up. 
not only is he crucified, there's like a handful of like, let's call it six to eight disciples in the chapel just being like, fuck yeah. Okay. And one of them lights him on fire and they're all just like, yeah, that's what we expected. (laughs) I don't think they were expecting much else. Yeah. And you're like, this is bad. Well, at least you don't have to deal with the priest anymore. Yeah. And all the disciples, like no one bothers you. They're like, you did what you needed to do. Your job is done here. Thank you. So you dip and you look at the wall and it says, God always finds a way in blood. Jesus Christ. So that's the end of the father. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is probably for the better. Yeah. And it, it does feel like an eerily serene moment. Like once you realize that the variants aren't going to attack you, you can kind of take a step back and watch and you're like, huh, what the fuck am I doing? I'm a little satisfied in your death, but I'm also like, okay, I need to go. Yeah. And you're like, did you really make me do this just so I could record your death? You didn't even ask me to post it. <laughs> you just wanted me to take a picture for you. But you're dead now. Right. Sir. Oh, man. It's fucking crazy. These like, guys are nuts. Yeah. And to take a side note separately, in the DLC, mm-hmm. there is a point where as Wayland Park, you look out of a window and you see the chapel completely on fire oh okay so you're that close to each other you're that close to each other he's on like a second or third floor so he can kind of look down and have a better view okay it's probably the third floor i think that's probably how you get the best view of the chapel being on a different part of campus Mm -hmm. but yeah so there are little reminders in the dlc of what happens in the main story which you gotta love you know it's cool it's a really cool storytelling effect gotcha anyway back to miles (laughs) So you're like, that was weird. I got to get out of here. You take an elevator down to what actually kind of looks like a mine or a tunnel in a cave. Okay. It kind of looks like Gordon Freeman's caves and tunnels and scientific shit. Oh, okay. I was thinking more like uh, Temple of Doom. No, this is science shit. There is a reception desk. Oh, damn. There's automatic doors. It's well lit. There's computers everywhere. Underground science lab. Bitch, you are in an underground science lab underneath the asylum, bitch. Oh, my gosh. So there's more Nazis? Yeah. Oh, of course he's more Nazis. <laughs> it's Colorado. <laughs> the only state to protest healthcare workers during COVID. We left. Anyway, you're in this fucking crazy-ass area. There's a front desk. There's, like, corporate posters. There's, like, shiny sterling silver elevator doors and shit. Mm-hmm. And there's also bodies and bodies and puddles of blood. But those people were in street clothes and shit, so... These were normal people? Well, it, they were working people, you know? There's, okay. There's, like, a security guard here or there, but there's, you know, some doctors and shit. People that were just working. Nurses coming off their shift. Not a, No women. Oh. There's just a bunch of male bodies strewn about. They're like bloody. There's piles of just parts. A little horrifying. Okay. (laughs) You know I smoke a lot of weed, right? (laughs) I I have a note that says, the hallway Austin Powers got stuck in. (laughs) (laughs) So we got stuck going back and forth with the little cart? Yeah. Okay. I think that's Dr. Evil's life. Yeah. But same vibe, right? Very industrial hallways. Yeah. So while you're escaping and you're like, I have to fucking go home. Big ass Chris. comes. Seven foot Chris. Somehow found you. You left the original building he was trapped in. And then you managed to get down to a secret lab (laughs) that is only accessible through this one elevator, which seemingly hasn't moved. Right. So fuck this guy. 
he's chasing you, but as he's chasing you, you are saved because the wall rider murders the shit out of him. Oh my god. He's running, and then you turn around, and Chris is being lifted off the ground and is ripped apart. And ripped is thrown apart. around and shit super fucking violent. Oh my god. So seven foot Chris just gets torn to shreds. Like a ragdoll bitch. Oh my god. Okay. Well, Wall Rider's badass. So you're like, I'm out. Yeah. You're running and you get into an office and you see an old man in a wheelchair. That's never a good sign. He says, I know I'm supposed to be dead. That's not the right accent. Okay. I know I'm supposed to be dead. <laughs> It's Dr. Nazi-ass Warnicky. Oh, fuck him. See, I can't do the accent. He said someone named Billy loves him and keeps him alive. He says Murkoff loved his research on cell production and thought therapy. Thought therapy? Trauma therapy. It was pretty horrific. I can't believe they call it thought therapy. That's just awful. And he kind of looks at you and he goes, if you kill Billy, he'll die and undo the work that he has done. So who cares? I'm going to kind of translate to make it pretty clear what the objective is because I found it a little confusing. And okay. This whole fucking thing is wild. So the wall rider is a trauma ghost that is fueled and created by the morphogenic engine. Now, the morphogenic engine is this big trauma generator that feeds off of people in the asylum. People in the asylum are taken. They're stripped naked. There are tubes put everywhere up in them. And then they are hooked up into these things that kind of look like the pods from the Matrix. Okay. And they are forced to watch Rorkshaw tests and relive traumas. And through their stress and the endorphins and shit that they release in their body when they undergo extreme trauma and horror, that is turned into the Wall Rider. Okay. I'm like picturing like Clockwork Orange where they're making them watch like horror videos and stuff. Yeah, but then they're sucking out the trauma power somehow. Somehow. Okay, this is terrifying. And this was all under the guise of dream therapy. So they're making a being created out of pure terror. Yeah. Okay. And right now the wall rider is being controlled by Billy, who's a patient of the asylum. So we got to kill Billy. Yeah, we got to kill Bill. Oh, nice. And he's in a coma, basically. So he is on a constant loop of his brain producing trauma. Okay. Despite him kind of being brain dead. Yeah, Billy has a broken brain feeding the wall rider, which is also tied to Warnicky. Warnicky very specifically says, the wall rider kept me alive. Okay. I don't know how that connection is made, but I have not read all the source materials. I've played through it. I've watched videos. It's a tricky concept for me to redigest. Got you. So, but TLDR, if you kill Billy, the Wall Rider and Warnicky should go away. Okay. And fix everything, and then you can go home. That's the goal, anyway. Yeah. So, Billy is inside the morphogenic engine, which is kind of this dome thing. He's being held in this machine because he's a coma patient, so he can't really go anywhere. He's getting his fluids in and all that jazz. Okay. And he's fueling the Wall Rider. So, Miles goes to the life support fluid room, (laughs) which... That's a room. Is labeled well, <laughs> where all the patients are hooked up, and he starts cutting power to Billy. And obviously, as you're doing this, the wall rider is not happy, <laughs> and he chases you. You know, there's a bunch of shit you have to do here. It's just flip this switch, turn this off, kill the boy. Puzzle section. Yeah. Okay. You know, and as you're doing it, the wall rider's attacking you, and 
just as Billy is about to die as the life support is finally letting his body fail him. So wait, you're, uh, you're basically- I gotta tell you something. Okay. The wall rider enters you. Like, the fine enters. There's a ghost in your body now. Oh, okay. So he's not like doing anything inappropriately to enter you. No, no, not not like that. There's a lot of naked dudes in this game, as we have established. There are, and um, the DLC is much more sexually graphic in that. Oh, is it? Oh, my God. It's wild. Is it a Brett Easton Ellis book level of like sexual explosion? Bitch, he wishes. Oh, wow. Yeah. The wall rider is now a part of you. Okay. And, you know, it always needed a host. It needed someone to feed trauma from. You're pretty freshly traumatized. So it says, this is fine. I'm fine. And you're probably the strongest body in the building at this point. Honestly, yeah. So you're limping away. And now you're just the host of the wall rider, which I don't really. We didn't establish they could take a host, but that's. Yeah, exactly. So you're limping. You're crying. You drop your camcorder. You're like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I think I'm possessed by a demon. And as you're leaving down the tunnel, Warnicky is there in his wheelchair with an army patrol. That's the Nazi doctor? Yeah. Bunch of dudes in SWAT gear. Like, they just rolled up in the last two minutes. Warnicky's like, you gotta kill this kid. He killed everyone here. You know, kind of vibe. Oh my god. So it's you limping with a new demon inside of you. And they're like, we got to get him now. So they start shooting. The screen goes black. You hear Warnicky say, you've become the host. And you hear screaming. Oh, from shit. From the army guys. Oh, damn. Wait, is this a cliffhanger ending? And that's how the game ends for Outlast 1. Damn. So that's not like the you fucked up and lost ending, you know, like the negative ending like you would like, for example, Bioshock. <laughs> um, like that's not like the one ending you can get versus another. That is no. just how the game fucking ends. That is the true ending. There are no branching narratives in Outlast. Holy shit. Okay. So like I mentioned, there is a concurrent DLC. So in Whistleblower, mm-hmm. we cut back to Wayland Park. The computer engineer who blew the whistle on the whole thing. Right. And he is escaping. He is finally also free of this horrible place. He gets out. He makes it past the gate. He sees someone's Colorado ass jet, Jeep or Subaru fucking bullshit ass car. They left their keys there. You know, Miles isn't smart. What kind of dumbass leaves their keys in their? Okay. Miles. Yeah. He's possessed by something now. Clearly. So, you know, he's busy. <laughs> as you're leaving as Waylon driving away, you see Miles leaving the asylum. So Miles gets out after yeah. alerting the press. Yes. It and is confirmed that Miles does make it back to solid ground. That's great. Because, I mean, now Miles is actually the only witness to it because the person that he alerted to it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, Waylon is driving away right now and just, oh. But, yeah, they both make it out. Towards the very end, technically. Oh. Um, and it's fucking crazy. Well, good for both of them. Uh, I am exhausted now thinking about that. That game was crazy and a lot and emotionally stressful and gave me a lot of terror and was effective. It took you a long time to play through that game. Not just like saying like it took you just Oh, I you put had to it keep on normal. It down. Yeah. I couldn't play it for long periods of time. It yeah. was hard. I played Bioshock in one sitting. Like I can, <laughs> I can hang. Okay, right. I, this was a lot. 
I couldn't do it. Too much for you. I couldn't do it. It was a lot. Wow. But I made it through the end, and so did you, dear listener. Yes, thank you for coming along on this journey. You outlasted uh, the other ones. Outlasted. So um, speaking of Outlast, so there was a second game that came out. Um, oh. I believe this one was based in New Mexico with the Murkoff company mildly involved, but it was more based on religion rather than oh. scientific experiments. Um, I'm, I'm familiar. I haven't played through, but I have watched some lore videos about it. And then Outlast Trials, which is the third piece of the franchise, is coming out, I think, 21 so this year um and that has to do with cold war experiments oh wow and it's a co-op experience so this one game studio with their single game is just like <laughs> we're gonna milk this for all it's worth and it's apparently worth a lot hell yeah red barrels has a full cult following like i started following the subreddit when i was doing research and playing this game and these fans are rabid they are <laughs> passionate and they love this game so much and i do get it the lore is crazy and the gameplay itself is so immersive and it sucks you in such a unique way that i haven't felt in a really long time okay that's really cool i enjoyed while it wasn't easy and i didn't like it at times i did enjoy playing this game okay so you do recommend it to people no 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 it's too scary too scary (laughs) okay don't even play it if you have balls of steel go for it during the day this this shit is creepy man Okay. Well, all right, Goombas. That is another episode of The Other Castle. It's so good to be back. We're back, my friends, and we will be coming back next week or other week. We'll be back eventually. We'll be you back know, with more. No promises, but we promise it's coming. We promise. I know. <laughs> no promises, but we promise. Be safe and stay away from asylums and honestly, maybe just Colorado. <laughs> if you have to. Yeah. If you can't, stay out of Colorado. Yeah. All right. Fair enough, Goombas. All right. Until next time. Bye.